Welcome to Moss Marketing Mondays, a.k.a. the M3 Podcast. Brought to you by Moss Marketing Group. Bringing you everything marketing every Monday. Stay tuned for marketing tips and tricks you can use today. The M3 Podcast. Marketing knowledge to help you succeed. Let's get started. So we were talking before, you two are getting your green cards, right? Philip and I are. So far. Well, we started with it this week, actually. Yeah. So it's still work in progress. Yeah. So it's the the process started. So uh, we spoke to the lawyer. He's actually a guy that lives down in Parkville for like 20 years. And he's a South African guy. Oh, very cool. So pretty weird that he's handling this deal, but he is. I think that might be why he's handling. Yeah, I think it's great for us. Yeah, because I mean, then they've done that. But uh, so he says it takes about three years. Then you get your green card, and then you don't need the visa to mm-hmm. come over and go. You can just come and go as you please. Because you guys can be f- be here for how long on your visas? Ten months. Yeah, ten months. Yeah. Ten months on the visa we have. Yeah. Unless um, you get a winter visa. Yeah. You can get a so winter visa. I did that last year. I got here last year in August. And my visa was only like supposed to be until the 20th of December. But then I got a winter visa that allowed me to stay all the way through the winter and get a new visa again this year. But you can only do that for three years and then you need to go back normally. But gotcha. for longer, like. Six months, I guess. Yeah, you need to go back for the entire two-month period you miss every year. So you need to go back for that entirety then after gotcha. three years. What is your guys' long-term idea with – do you plan on living in America? And I think both of us have separate ideas. I mean, of the Flo- Flo- I think it's more the Florida, Florida guy. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny is more the farm boy, but Philip's <laughs> big dream is in Florida. Philip <laughs> said, "I want to be somewhere with palm trees. It's going to be nice out because I'm sick and tired of the snow here." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Not necessarily. I, I mean, when you're selling that many glasses, you can live wherever you want, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just kind of got the idea, like. The option was there when we first thought about coming here. Like, I've heard about people doing it and stuff. First off, I was like, nah, I'm not going to do this. I just, I'm just going to do this back and forth all the time. And, you know, when I got here, you know, I got a girlfriend and life started seem good, seem good. And I was like, okay, this, this is actually where I want to be. You know, I'm going to do this. And it's not like I'm not going to miss the people back home and stuff. Like my family's there. Everything's there. But now I'm like, okay, when I'm on this visa, I can only, I am a, like, I should go home for two months. I'm not allowed to skip that two months or something. I legally have to go home for two months and then come back. For instance, when I got this green card, I can build me a good life over here, chase my dreams and do stuff a little more freely. And then I can go home whenever I want, go say hi whenever I want, you know, I'm going to have to make good money to be able to do that but i'm i'm gonna be i'm gonna be able to do that yeah so what do your dreams look like in america get jacked get rich (laughs) (laughs) something like that yeah i mean that's the american dream right there be jacked and rich oh yeah um no i don't know just have a good family and 
like I'm not gonna lie, I want to earn at least like, like a lot of money. It's gonna sound, it's gonna sound, it's gonna sound ridiculous, but I want to earn a million dollars a year. Like that's for now. But My you know eyes what? haven't completely opened up all the way. But you know what's funny? That's like a lot of what our coaching deal is, and a lot of like what that is is like really people unlocking like what those numbers look like, mm-hmm. and that most of the time people never achieve huge numbers in their life because they never open up in their head that they're capable of doing that. Like that's what Grant Cardona said. He said, like if you don't make four hundred grand a year or three hundred grand a year, you fuck, you lost. I mean, like, you, and that's not even close what we make. Like, but we don't have a family. But he says if you have a family of five, you fucked if you don't even have four hundred. But the thing is, like, year. also if right. you make four hundred grand a year in Missouri, you have a great life. Yeah, if you make four hundred grand a year and you live in L.A. You're living in a, a shit box. Yeah, exactly. Like you're roughing it. Like, and it's crazy how different it is on like cost of living in just different areas that we've been to LA and been in a house that was 1.5 million that here I would have assumed it was like maybe a $70,000 house. But I mean, we spoke about that the other day. I think it was just with you. Like the cost of living in some places is so high that the market's just up to shit. Yeah. And you told me about a lot about what Madison does and how you really get that first-hand experience about how bad it actually is. Yeah, and, and just understanding real estate in different areas and like you got to know I, the laws when it comes to real estate. I think like you yeah. got to know where the what taxes to avoid. And you can, well, I think it's more on just understanding the market in the areas that there are certain areas that the Midwest has never seen like astronomical dips. Like if you just look at the proven track record of the Midwest. There's not an influx of inventory here. There's not an influx of like, there's a a lot of different things that take place at different parts in our country that like Miami is a hub for people washing money. Like there's over, I have a buddy that lived there and he's like, there's over six years of inventory sitting there. Mm. So when things go, if economy takes turn, if you have six years of inventory sitting somewhere, guess what? The real estate market, like supply and demand doesn't make sense now. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, I mean, that is as basic as it comes. Like, we learned that in American school. I feel like you probably learned the same thing in South African school yeah. where it's like supply and demand is how economics oh, yeah. work. And it's so when you look at it and you keep it kind of just very black and white and simple, like I think our cost of living here in the Midwest is phenomenal. Like, and – you can make that money, but it, it's also, I feel a lot of foreign people come over here from other countries and they will open up their heads a lot more to saying like, we're going to make a lot of money. And they put a lot higher price tag on themselves when they come here and they actually go and achieve it. Where I feel a lot of Americans just put this really low price tag. of just like, this is what we were told K through 12. We went to college. They told you if you went out and you made $36,000 a year, that was great. Do you think that comes back to where they're just happy with not really working, not really getting after it? So that just... I'm not going to discount I'm not gonna discount it saying that I, I see it from two different sides. That there are some days like when I have the weight <laughs> of the world on my head or on my shoulders of everything that's going on that I now have people that I have to think about taking care of and I have all these different things that are going on that most people can't handle that on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. That some days I think about them like, 
you know what, 36 G's a year sounds pretty simple. Like I could still drink the same beer I drink right now. Like, I mean, I just have to live a little more frugal. Scale down. But it's also like I enjoy being positioned where I'm at because I feel like it's it builds a different person. I think it I think it comes down to a lot of people just get comfortable. Yeah. Like they earn their salary. And I would say that's a fucking trap. Like as soon as you get that thousand dollar paycheck a week, you're like, okay, this this is pretty damn good. I can do this. Like I'm I can work with this. I think it comes down to what you think your purpose is. Like, what am I here to do? Like, a lot of people have habits and stuff. Like, why can't your habit be making money? Just, I mean, I'm not there yet. I can't say shit. Like, I do not earn that kind of money yet to say that, but I can tell you I'm going to. And I look at it, too, as I read a lot of books. I I listen to a lot of people. But it's also there's a difference of people. I know a lot of individuals that read a lot more books than I do, and they don't take action on any of it. So it's like there's people that talk about that we all show up at the same pearly white gates when it comes to an end. And there's the version of you that you were, and there's the version of you that was supposed to be. So it's like, did you do everything to be the version that you were supposed to be? Uh And I think that can go into – I think sometimes people get – a little bit too over focused on finances that they lose sight of everything else. And I've been in that spot that yeah, probably the spot I was most well off financially was probably the spot where I was most unhappy. It's going to be a balance, but it was like, I sacrificed everything for that. Yeah. So there's a time where you can really balance all. I I hate the terminology. I think it's so cliche when it's like work life balance. Like I hate that term. Mm -hmm. It's, because I think there's way more than just like work-life balance. There's a personal relationship that you have with a, a, a I'm going to say because we're all males on here, but with a female yeah. that like that is a relationship that you have to handle one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have relationships with friends. That circle gets smaller like as you get older. There's a lot that goes into I think that full balance that you have to say like. I have balance in a social life. I have balance in work. I have balance in my relationship. I have balance across all these different things. But it's also, it's never done. Yeah. You're always working to become better. It's like at this point, like at this point in my life personally, like I don't think, I honestly don't think I deserve that kind of balance yet. I don't think I should have that balance yet because I'm so young and I'm still not as responsible for as many things. I can kind of be all over, you know, I can work, 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 work all day long. But I do have a girlfriend now. Now it kind of gets hard, like it gets up to like six o'clock. I've been working since seven, like kind of want to go watch a movie now. kind of want to go cuddle, you know, go build on that relationship. Easy, like we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, like then you just got to switch your mind back and, get back to work you know but that's where it comes to having that work-life balance like i'm not in that position yet now where i can have that yeah which i need to do a little bit more work till i get there but i'll start focusing on that thing but I, which, <laughs> I, I also hate the thing too that like i've been discounted a shit ton of everything i've done because of age mm-hmm. that i've met people that are five years younger than me that are a thousand times more intelligent than me I haven't met them here, but I've went to 
deals where somebody has been open to more experiences than I have. They, they have parents that have done X, Y, Z. They've had their eyes open longer than I have in the aspect of, I wasn't always aware of what was going on. I wasn't always getting the most out of situations. When I was at college, I liked to party. Like I wasn't there for the right reasons. I wasn't, I don't know. I, I hadn't seen the bigger picture yet. And once I started opening my eyes to the bigger picture of what I really wanted and what I, that's when I really started progressing of actually going the right way. So I think that age is something that everyone hits at a different point that there's going to be a time when you say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to build exactly the life I want. This is what my life is supposed to look like. And this is what it takes for me to be there. Work wise, whatever it is. And that's when you get into, I, I want to understand business. I want to understand all these different things that I could do. Like I want to understand like how to really build something on myself. And with that, it doesn't matter how old I am. Yeah. I go up against marketing companies that the owner's fucking 50 years old. Yeah. But you know the problem with that is that person was left behind by time. And he's set in his ways. And it's they're, they're not trying to progress. Mm-hmm. We figured out new ways to do things. We figured out more efficient ways to do things. We we figured out ways to create higher ROIs for companies. Why the fuck does it matter how old someone is? But I think that's great with your square one call. If, if you're on like a call with people that are in the same industry and the same mindset with new ideas every week, you'll keep progressing with time. Which it doesn't even have to be in the same industry. So like yeah. our square one deal yeah. is like everything. Yeah. And that's where I want to help people across all industries. I mean, we work with so many different industries of businesses on marketing and realistically, I just look at progression of anything. Like I look at voids in space of any industry that, is out there like when I look at the real estate space and I look at what Madison does in the real estate space, her success isn't an accident. Yeah. It's work for her. it's the work ethic, the skill of what she does, the education that she has, things like that. Success is not an accident. Mm-hmm. And so many people are like, oh you were lucky. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Like I really don't believe in luck either. Yeah. yeah. It's not like I believe in good your own luck. Do what? You create your own luck. A hundred percent. Like when you start doing all those things in business, like MMG wasn't like, oh, I got fucking lucky. Not at all. I've positioned myself somewhere that I have the right people around me, that everyone around me is 10 times better at what they do than I am. And I hope at 40 years old, I look back and say, I was so good at acquiring the right people to be around me at the right times. That's why I am where I am. It's it's about your mindset. Yeah. Like, if your mindset's right, you're going to... If you get an opportunity in life, like, you as a person draw... Like, not... How, how do I say it? Like, right. draw the opportunity towards yourself. Even if it is someone you got to talk to and you talk the right way. Even if it is the right book you read and you read some information and you got it now. Like, you as a person, like... Like you said, there's no luck. It, it's not about luck. You did something that's inside of you that made you have these this opportunity. Yeah, like gave you this opportunity. Right. Like it comes down to yeah. it comes down to yourself. Like what you did. Like there is some you get some help along the way and stuff, but it still comes down to you and what you do, what you know. And I mean when it comes to 
like age and stuff like that. How old is Mark Zuckerberg now? No, he's he's not, not old there. enough to have that amount of money. How old was <laughs> he when he started Facebook? Uh, he was in college. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and you look at look at when Steve Jobs was creating Apple. Like, look at all these guys that have really like the biggest pillars in that have created anything. Mm-hmm. Look at Walt Disney when he started. Yeah. Like, look at all these people. Like, they started when they were young. They took on adversity at such a high speed, so fast. They figured out how to overcome it that by 30 years old, they were stronger than somebody that was 60 by miles. Mm-hmm. Like, and you could, I can experience the same amount of things in a week that some people experience in a year. Mm-hmm. Like, and I have a very unique opportunity in what we do, but it's also people have to have their eyes open to those opportunities and always be aware of them. That one of the biggest things that I have the luck of, or when I say luck, but I have the luxury of having is we work with so many business owners that I get to see the, the positives and the negatives all the time. Yeah. Like you have eyes on all. It's like, I feel like I'm on hyperdrive of what I do. I feel like in the last two years, I've learned more than what most people probably learn in a lifetime. Because you're in charge of the, of the marketing of a business, which is so important. Like that guy tells you, ah, oh, shit, dang, this isn't working. Ah, oh, shit, dang, this isn't working. But this is working. So you're like in one industry, like for one hour, and then 15 minutes later, you're in a whole different world again. Like you hear about problems in this industry, in this industry. And, like, and that's even yeah, like everywhere. That's hyper. And most people would view it as fully focused on the marketing aspect of a business. I watch businesses on the way they manage people. I watch businesses on the way they manage finances. I watch businesses on the way that they scale. I watch businesses on so many different aspects of what they do that I've learned so much about how people run their finances, how, how businesses have figured out scale, what processes work in businesses. What works with management to, to scale, like to entice those employees? Like, there's so many different like pieces that take on a business. And I think people look at businesses being so two dimensional. Mm-hmm. And okay, that glass is you buy it for a dollar and you sell it for three. How many of those glasses can you sell individually? I don't know. All of them? <laughs> <laughs> but, if I should. But now all of a sudden you think you hit a threshold of how many you can sell. That Philip maxed Wait. out his time working 100 hours a week selling glasses. What does that number look like? Let's let's say this. If I if you gave me a 1,000 glasses and I had to go sell them door to door, I mean, that's going to take a long time. But what I'm saying yeah, but is, comes, so but think about if you, if you're selling those and you hit that threshold, then you have to hire someone your profit per glass is not the same anymore. Yeah, because you have to pay him. Now you have to pay Timmy over here to sell those glasses. And now you hire two more people because you've sold so many. Now you have to buy a warehouse to hold all the glasses. Now your profit just changes again because now you have three employees. Now you have a warehouse. And now you have to get insurance in case somebody hits a forklift into one of them and knocks over a whole grove of them. To where now all of a sudden you're, you're pricing. like Then you hit 11 employees. Now you have to offer health insurance. Then you have to go to W two. Then now you have to pay employee tax. Like all these different things come into factor. You can just that sell it for forty. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm selling this class and I make four dollars a piece. 
But realistically, I take 30 cents a glass. Exactly. Like after I pay everything out. So like those numbers shift so fast and people get so scared of that shift that they're like, well, 30 cents a glass, it's not really worth it. Mm. But in the beginning, you were talking about selling 100, but now we're selling 10,000. You're selling millions of them. Exactly. And you're doing nothing. It's a little more convenient. Yeah. <laughs> then walk in door to door. But that that middle spot there, you didn't make anything. Yeah. So you could do it by yourself and hustle all of them by yourself and make th- this much. But then this middle gap here, you didn't make anything. Till you hit this threshold, now you're making more and actually not doing even close to what you were doing mm-hmm. here. So that in between is I feel like where most people get very fearful and they, they don't jump. they don't That's understand where the risk biz- factor comes in. Hundred percent. Risk gets really crazy really fast. Yeah. But I just want to come back to that. We were talking about that uh, uh, money that people get from the government after the COVID deal. I mean, those people are so comfortable at the moment because everyone's hiring. I, I do think that's gone now, though. Oh, is the, it? Yeah, I don't know like when that. Well, there's still welfare. Yeah. But I but think I mean, the unemployment deal is gone. Even stuff like that. I mean, there's people that are probably more hardworking and more willing to do those jobs that after a while, they're going to take them. And those people have the thought in their mind that's reassuring them and that job's still there. Everyone's hiring. After a while, no one's going to be hiring. All the positions are going to be filled. Then are going to be fucked. So the, I think the way that positions end up filling and then we end up into a real actual employment issue is we're letting people in America quicker than ever. Yeah. And they are going to start filling up those jobs, which right now, like, those jobs need to be filled. But it's like, I mean. What did you say the other day? Were they giving out a, a raffle or a. Like, there's there's something called a green card lottery. <laughs> where they give, like, 50,000 green cards away. Yeah. Every yeah. year. And I think that's just to Africa. I'm not sure, but I think it's just to Africa. That's just like, open the floodgates. Let everyone um, But it's when you. When you think about those numbers and you think about the amount of people that are coming in and you think about like Americans really don't have much competition here. Like our competition is pretty weak. Like, and and I'll say that till I'm blue in the face. There's a lot of people that disagree with that and it is what it is. But like, I truly believe competition in like our generation is becoming the weakest it's ever been. Definitely. But I mean, like, you need to give respect. For, there's some serious motherfuckers out here. That a hundred percent. But if you take, that think about if you go out on a football field yeah. and you have two guys that are giving all the fucking effort out there. I mean, they, they stand out mm-hmm. 10 times over everyone else. And it's like, I just feel like in today's market, we, so do you think that goes to back to, so the American economy is obviously really strong. Have you heard that say, <clears throat> that saying where they go, tough times make tough men, tough men take make easy, easy times. times. Easy times make weak men and weak men make tough times. I was actually just talking on that this morning that most people don't understand the way that Dre and I grew up. And most people think because our dad had money that we just had this easy ass life. Well, once again, I'm going to say success does not come from accidents. We didn't get to where we're at by being fucking lazy. Mm-hmm. Like our dad worked us all the time and still a work ethic that is crazy high. And for the longest time, I, I had like a problem with it. Like I was like, my dad was an asshole. 
But that's that's a testament to your father. <laughs> no, because if he wasn't an asshole, you you guys would have just you exactly. guys had money. You, you guys right just now. got everything, and you would have loved. Like my dad didn't that. even think he's gonna send me at seventeen years old to what did you say the other day to. Go learn of the sales. Yeah. yeah. We so talked like, about that when you left. We, our dad was, fuck. my dad started putting me through all this sales training. And he's like, if you're going to step foot on a sales floor at my dealership, he's like, you're going to be the fucking best there is. Yeah. And he started, but that's just how it was on everything I did. Like he, he was always that way, Andre and I. And it's still this just different level of work ethic. I don't think that's very common. Though. I, it's not. No, and no. for the longest time, I was like, I'm not going to be like my father when I have a kid. Like, I'm not going to be that hard on a kid. Like, I, I don't, for the longest time, I thought I was wrong. I mean, and now, now I think I'm like, I need to do the exact same yeah. thing. I'm like, if so, I could raise somebody that has my work ethic and duplicate myself, like, I'm not going to let that miss the generation after me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to raise that. I think it's kind of a sensitive situation because whenever someone's at that age, I'm going to use an example. Like, I would say my head in town was swimming in high school. But whenever it came to coaching, my, my parents forced me, like, you're going to get in that pool and you're going you're gonna to practice. And that just made me disgusted. Like, I didn't want to come near water at all. Like, you got to do this, you got to do this. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. And then I think that kind of drove me to where I think you should handle it the right way, you know. You need to approach it. Kind of, kind of force them in, in the right direction, like force them I, the right way. I, I also think, though, that when you are young, I don't think your mind has developed enough to have that self-drive for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so many parents want their kids to have a self-drive that there's one out of a million kids that just naturally has a drive. I didn't have that drive when I was young. I have a drive now that's – I wish everything on the planet that I had what I have now – 15 years ago, I don't, I couldn't even imagine where I'd be now, mm-hmm. but it's like, that takes a while to instill. And like, I think as you grow up, you, you start seeing that and it starts progressing, but it's, you have to have a parent figure that is going to put that there and not give you an option. Yeah. And it's like good, bad, and different. It's, you need that hard figure in your life to say, Hey, this is how it's going to be. You don't have an option. But it's, you get something different instilled in you. But I mean, at that at that stage, when you don't have a self drive, you need to have someone driving. And when you're at that age, you have your self drives. That just switches over. You still have that drive. It's just not someone taking the wheel anymore. It it almost becomes like, I think it's almost like a parent instilled a habit in you. Yeah. That like, our dad got us up early our whole entire lives. Like, that's just how it was. We worked. We did this stuff. Like, it was just a habit. Like. Nowadays, you have kids that are like, oh, they did the dishes. That was a chore. They took the trash out. Like our dad, like if we, uh, if he ever had to tell us to do that, mm. there's a lot bigger problems. Like that wasn't a chore. Like, yeah. like it's it was done. normal. We it's mowed good. 20 acres every week. Like that was yeah. a chore. Yeah. <laughs> like real work. Like, and now people are like, well, the, he takes out the trash on Tuesdays. I'm like, yeah, it literally takes like less than five fucking minutes. Like that's not a chore. And it's like, I just think that it's like switched somewhere, and I think that you have to instill that. I mean, if I if I have the honor to be a dad one day, I'm also not, I'm not gonna say, "Listen, you can go do this if you want," or "I don't care." I'm gonna tell him, "Get your ass off the fucking couch and go do that." You know, it all just depends <laughs> on <laughs> what department it is and 
what you, what you got to do. Like, I'm going to be lenient, but when it comes to, like, discipline and stuff, I'm going to tell them, hey, get your ass up and fucking do that. Yeah, and it's <coughs> – I, I think that nowadays parents want to be their kids' best friends. That's not good. Everyone is, like, I have to be best friends with my my kid, my son, my daughter, whatever, that – I think when you're growing up, you don't need a best friend. You have friends at school. You have you need a parent. Mm. You need the person who's going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. You're going to need the person that guess what you're going to butt, head, butt heads with them, mm-hmm. yeah. like that's going to point you in the right direction. At that time, you're not going to know is the right direction. I mean, that's life lessons you need to have. Yeah, I wish I had somebody like that right now. Yeah. Like I really <laughs> wish I had somebody that was like, "Hey, you're going to get your ass to go do this." Like, I feel like I'm ninety percent discipline. But there's still 10% of flex time that, like, and I feel like Madison's that person to me that there's a lot of times that, like, she's on my case about things. But it's, like, it's, I don't, I don't have that, like, I stay disciplined all the time. Probably the only thing I'm not real disciplined about is my eating. But, like, (laughs) I need to work on that. She probably just cooks. Madison cooks very interesting foods. I know. I think she's trying to fluff me up. But it's just, like, one of those things I think you need that discipline. You need that those those parent figures in your life. And I think that you guys grew up at a younger age with a discipline level over there because work had to be done that has now transitioned into you being over here working at a whole different level than people your guys' age. But, but I mean, we get raised a little different. Over there, over here, you get like uh, spankings. We got our ass beat. Like, I mean, I think the blood runs on the parents. Legs, yeah, I'm sure that happens inside as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever's handy, you get beat with. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, my dad, <laughs> I would say you raised me the right way, and every ass beating I got, I deserved. deserved. Yeah. Not gonna lie, completely fair, and I think that. It was just like whenever, every time I got my ass beat, my dad said, okay, come to the bedroom. We're going to talk. You sat me down and we talked and it was all worth it, you know, because you got two paths, good path, bad path. Whenever I went low like this, got my ass beat, but then it drove me over to the good path again, you know, and it was all had to be done. But did you recognize it at that time? No, fuck oh, no. Really? I was mad. I cried I, for fucking yeah. three hours and I only had to cry for like 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's very much of just recognizing at that time mm-hmm. that I think as you get older, I think you become more self-aware. I think you become, and I think some people go their whole life never being able to look in the mirror and be, be self-aware. And it's those people that are completely comfortable where they're at, they're, they don't want to see the fear of what they could actually be. It's yeah. like, it's always... Like looking back, my in that moment, my dad tells me, "You're gonna look back, and gonna you're gonna thankful. say he was right." Yeah. And I'm like, and oh, fuck my that. dad told me that a lot. He's like, "He goes, you'll thank me one day." Yeah. I'm like, uh, "Bullshit!" Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Bullshit!" I'm like, "You don't know what you're talking about." And now I look back and I was like, "Okay, I, I see the lessons that I was being taught there all the time." Yeah, I think two big parts of getting the job done the way we get it done is also because of Corey. So, like, we make a, st- a mistake, Corey chews our ass. Oh. Well within rights. And yeah, we, we don't make that mistake again. Yeah. And at the same time, he's working very similar hours to us. Like, yeah. if we up early hours of the morning, Corey's up at early hours of the morning. Like, sometimes we've got a whole load. We'll be back at the farm to reload 3, 3.30, 4. Corey's up loading with us. 
you know. And if that day carries on till 10, 11 in the evening, Corey's there with us finishing the job. You know what I mean? You said so like it's hard, yeah. you know, it's hard not to to want to work when your boss is working those same kind of hours. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's just a good leader. Mm. Yeah. And I think that our world is getting more scarce of leaders mm. that everyone wants to balk orders, but they don't want to, they don't want to do things. Mm. It's super easy it, to go sit on a chair and tell everyone what to do. Exactly. And it's, I mean, I, I do it all the time that I'll, I'll jump on cameras. I'll do things that like, I don't like, I don't ask people to do things I'm not willing to do. Yeah. Like that's just a principle that I live by. I, when I go to the gym in the morning, it's partially for me, but it's also partially setting an example. Yeah. Like I'm trying to set an example of what like it, it should look like that. I'm not going to be like, Hey man, you should really get your ass in the gym, get up in the morning. Like if you're not in the gym, then they're going to, I'm at my sleep is going pretty fucking solid. Like, <laughs> you should definitely do that. Like, but it's setting that example, like in work and whatever you're doing, I saw it in the car business a lot. You have a lot of high up management that has no earthly idea how to sell. It's balking orders at salespeople that have no respect. It was like when I got to management, I was like, when I had new people, new salespeople come on, I was like, I'm going to show you how this shit's done. But it's, I had respect for him. Mm-hmm. I see that you guys have respect for Peyton the way he rides a fucking horse and the way he goes out and does what he does. Mm-hmm. Like, I gained a lot of respect when I was up there for Peyton when he was out there. Yeah. Like, you have a respect for Corey because he's, he's out there with you guys in the thick of it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not like, what the fuck, Corey? Is he sleeping? Yeah, we've ran three loads, and he's still in the. Yeah. He's still in bed. I, I mean, when we come this. back, he's over there, yeah. made a, co- a like a pot of coffee, and he had coffee breakfast, breakfast ready for us. Yeah, and yeah, he's in there in the tractor waiting to load us up. Yeah. When I, so, when I first got over here, the stories I heard of like some some guys I know that work in Mississippi, they get treated a little different than we do. Like their boss doesn't work with them, and I thought that's going to be the same deal. First week, Philip and I were digging out like a. Barrel, old shit. Old. Um, it was an old. It was an old feed. Um, so it was feed, cow feed, feed bin. Cow feed, but it, uh, it was like stuck shit. in the ground for yeah. forty years. And it kind of smelled a little bad. Yeah. <laughs> and we dug that out, and how I realized this farm is not like the stories. Is Corey was in that shit, scooping that shit out, and I thought, well, I better can- jump in there. Because my boss is in there now. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we're kind of scared of the shit. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's also like when that person's always stepping up for it mm. to do it, mm-hmm. you're going to lead once he's leading by example yeah. to where you're jumping in to do it. Like like yeah. you said, my boss isn't doing it, so I have to do it. Yeah. Like not e- he's not even having to tell you. Yeah. You're just like, hey, that has to be done. Like mm-hmm. he has that. Example. And that just adds to the whole efficiency of the system, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. And I will say, though, that there comes to a spot where you have to start pulling your hand out of things, like business-wise, that it's hard. For, it's really hard for me, like navigating what leadership looks like right now with trying to pull my hands out of certain things and like let them, let them well, on their own. And not trying to micromanage into yeah. it, not being like, hey, I can still do it. Like, you guys are way better at it than me. Like, yeah. It's, it is a, a strange space to be in that like sometimes I'm like, what, what do I do now? Yeah. Like they got this part handled. They got this part handled. Like, but it's, I, I work on taking care of accounts. I work on onboarding new accounts. I work on the, the efficiency that we're running. I, I work on all these different things and it's like, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I'm sitting there just grinding. Like yeah. I don't have that. I don't know that that feel like when you get done and you get that like accomplishment feeling. You don't have that feeling. 
I don't have that. Like when you, when you figure out a process, that's a little bit better that you just maybe captured a little bit more time for everyone, which when you look at it, if you captured, I don't know, 30 minutes of everyone's time in the office over every single day, you might have damn near just added another employee to the place because you just figured out how to do something a little bit more efficiently. And it's like, but that doesn't give you that like, wow, I really, I really worked hard to figure something out. It could be something that just dawns on you that you're like, why have we been doing this this way? We could have been doing it this way. It saves us this much time. And but the, there was no work that was really put in. It was just using your head to think outside the box. And I think that everything in life is we're all faced with problems all day, every day. And I've always told everyone your level of problems that you can solve is will dictate what you get paid in life. The bigger problems you can solve, the more you get paid. But I mean, it's like you said earlier, like bringing more people on. And I mean, you brought a lot of people on at the moment. And maybe just now your time's freed up, so you have time to think of these new ideas. It, and, I mean, that's a win for the business. I look at now of what, I don't know, like 10, 12, I don't know how many, the, the group that we have now, I look at what we man with the manpower we have currently, and we man 10 times what we were manning with four or five people but we are so much more efficient in what we do mm-hmm. that we've capitalized on the correct softwares. We've cr- capitalized on so many different things. We've learned so much as we've, as we've grown that if the numbers change all the time, also when I looked at where I was at with four people, I was like, well, if eight and 12, if I just double this, this is where we're going to be at. Now we've, over doubled that and I look at it or tripled that and I'm like looking at it and I'm like, okay, we're like seven times past where that was, but we're just so much more efficient. What we're doing makes it to where the people that are working there can make more money, makes it to where so many more things can happen. Mm -hmm. But it's also because we're all getting better at what we do. It's all, it's just, I don't know, chasing that, that needle that's always getting going up. And I look at what it used to take them to build, or I, I point at them because they're on camera. Uh, <laughs> we have Logan and Dalton and Lauren. Like, what it used to take them to build ads and do all that, they now do it in like seconds, which it used to be like a day. They would sit there and work on all this stuff to get approval. Now it's like we come in at we get at eight nine o'clock, like ten o'clock. They have shit out running. It's just crazy to look at the the difference in time. That when you really look at that piece of it alone. Business changes really quick. But that's also the whole system getting more efficient. Like if someone else, if someone working on this needs something from that other person, the whole system just got used to working together. You know what I mean? That's kind of like what's happening now. So this is the first year where all of us have been here all together beginning of the year. And like everyone kind of knows where everything is, how everything works. The system's just really flowing really well. You know, If you can see the amount of work we do in the same amount of time as we did two years ago, it's crazy how yeah. much. I mean, you got one guy do this, this, and this. But now you got four guys that does this, this, and this. It it just takes... I mean, from going from one to two is already double what you can do. Now, imagine timing that by four. 
But also, That's like, great. I look at that as a lot of times people think of double manpower, double the amount of work production. But now think about if, like, I'll use this in marketing terms. If I take Dalton to edit a video that takes him five hours to do, and I may have an editor, he's grinning at me. Let's say three hours, whatever. He's giving himself. <laughs> so say Dalton is working on a video that takes him three hours to do. And we have a, another editor that can do it in 30 minutes. That's not a, the, the ratio is not the same. Cause the ratio is better with Dalton. No, <laughs> no, the quality spends so much time no. on the golf course. No. The, <laughs> the, the quality we, we have people that can do the video editing and that's what they focus on all day. That can do the same job six times faster because that's what they work on all day, every day. That's the software they live in. And it's like, it's, I would, I like content. I want to work on it. And I catch myself all the time. I'm like pulling up on my computer. I'm like, I'm going to build a video. And I work on it for like three hours. I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm like, I just wasted a half a day that I could have sent something over to Reiki. And he'd been like, yeah, I got it ready in 10 minutes. But it's just like, you start figuring out the ratios are different when somebody's really efficient at one thing of what they do. They become really, really good at that. That in a week, I might be able to pr produce five videos. Yeah. And then I have somebody else that can produce 50. Ratios are different. It, but, it's, not yeah. a, it's not a one-to-one. -one. But that's what they say about farmers. You're not the expert in one thing, but you're really good at everything. I would say that's, you know? that, that's scaling in marketing. But I'm yeah. going to say in businesses all across the board, and this yeah. is where when people niche down, they figure things out. Our dad, our whole entire life, said jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, that's... That you may have... Are you a professional when it comes to working on tractors? No. No. So, say Corey pays you to work on a tractor. Okay, You, you get paid hourly pay, and you're, something's wrong with the tractor. It pulls into the shop, and he uses you to work all day on that tractor. And at the end of the day, you say, hey, you know what? I can't figure it out. Let's get the John Deere guy. <laughs> so now we're going to call the John Deere guy that's the expert in it. He comes out in 10 minutes. He's like, hey, this is your problem. We need this, this, and this. And he has it fixed in 30 minutes. He is an expert in exactly what he does. Mm -hmm. That guy's not out in a combine every day. The guy's not driving a semi downtown every day. That guy's not doing any of those things because he is an expert in what he does. And that's where he can do it that much quicker, which what may have taken Victor a whole day. He did in 30 minutes. So then when you start looking at this being a jack of all trades, there's a lot of things I can do. Like I can, yeah. I can do all the, the, I can mow our yard. I pay somebody to do it. Yeah. Because somebody else can come do it a lot quicker than me. That if I take actually what an hour of my time is worth. And if it takes me an hour and a half, two hours, to mow my yard, get all cleaned up and looking nice. And somebody else comes and does it. I pay him $40 to do it. I can make a lot more in that two hours. If I say, hey, I'm just going to go inside, jump on the computer, work for two hours. I'm going to pay for my yard to get mowed plus profit money. Yeah. So it's like you let the experts do what they do. And a lot of businesses, I feel, fail at that. that they're like, we're going to handle all of it. We're going to save so much money. So then they're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to hire an accountant. For the longest time, I didn't want to pay someone to do my taxes. I'm like, I'm just going to put them online. I'm not going to pay that guy $250 to do my taxes. This is when I was selling cars. Mm -hmm. And one year, Dre's in college. I'm getting out of college like towards the end. 
I make like four times the amount of money Dre makes, and we get hit with our tax bills, and Dre's getting a refund that's like three times the size of mine. I'm like, <laughs> uh, that's some bullshit. So I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay the, and I'm getting like, I don't know, three grand back or some shit. So I'm like, I'm gonna pay the two fifty. I'm gonna pay that. I'm gonna pay the two fifty to see what this guy can do. He calls me back. He's like, Hey man, yeah, your tax refund's coming. So I'm sitting there thinking like, Hey man, if I get like three G's, I'm gonna be pumped. I'm gonna make like seven fifty on paying this guy. He comes in, it's like sixty five hundred dollars. <laughs> oh shit! I'm like, Hey bro, did you mess this up? He's like, No. I was like, This that, that I'm like, Why was I not paying for this before? That like, makes sense because I thought that I could do it. I, I thought sense. I was saving money, but realistically, I was losing money. Because I wasn't letting an expert do it. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. When it uh, we we have an accountant do our taxes, but never like I just tried. I didn't try to do it myself, but I just kind of checked it out. That went online on this TurboTax deal, like find st- finding stuff out, see what's happening. Next thing pop up, you owe seven grand. I was like, okay, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going back to the accountant. Go back to the accountant. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. No, but that's that's like a prime example of letting an expert do what they do. And it's same thing. If I need something done on my truck, say I have a check engine light come on. I don't have the computer system even read it. Yeah. But I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to spend my day out there. I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to spend a fucking week out there, still not figure it out. Or I can pull into the dealership and within a minute, they're going to be able to tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's, but that's what they do all day, every day. Like so good at it. that's like me coming up and saying, Hey, you know what? I didn't want to pay for the corn at the store. I'm going to harvest it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come up. I'm going to buy my own fucking combines, my own land and everything. I'm going to harvest my own corn because I want grilled corn tonight, but I don't want to pay for it at the store. <laughs> you guys all laugh, but it's like, it's that's the same it's, thing. it's the same thing. On but it, I think, I think it's a bit different because I have to buy a combine. <laughs> 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 it's a bit different when you go back to luck. Like, so your business, everyone's is, is experts in their fields, right? But now when you go to Corey's business, we kind of all have to know how to do the same thing. Because if Philip's hauling grain to the city tomorrow morning and he can't feed the cattle, then one of us has got to do that. You know what I mean? So everyone's got to kind of know Everything. what everyone else is doing. <coughs> so I think that's how it differs a little bit. When you go a bit outside of that, I think Corey's also going to get someone's fixes pickup, same way you would. But when you're talking about just in the business then well i know one day i was there when you were working on the reason i brought up that whole thing because i was there one day and you were working on a uh, tractor or some shit that blown a hose and i was oh. riding in the combine with Corey. oh at gilman city no it wasn't the gilman no, it was when they came to watch that oh. oh yeah oh just by the farm I yeah victor's like paging in like and i've been in the combine for like an hour and he's like Corey's like did you get it figured out? And you're like, oh, I'm still looking for it. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, I'm like, I remember that. I was yeah. pulling out and I saw the leak in the semi. You remember that? Yeah, you it was on, re- it was on a semi. You need to replace hose in your semi. And, I thought, uh, oh, that was, was a, that was a coolant. Yeah. Yeah, so, coolant. so then yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking, like, I did figure that out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After but, the day's done. <laughs> yeah. But I start thinking in my head, like, the efficiency of the time Corey spent on that. The time you spent on that, like, okay, so if what could you have been doing out in the field to actually do something that you knew how to do, like to get that done that much quicker, like, and that I, I always look at everything of how 
efficiently anything can run. And sometimes spending the money is the quickest way to get it done, which actually leads to more profit. Exactly. That's and, what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. It can be more profitable. Yeah. And it's in, I mean, on all kinds of stuff that I pay for a lot of software that like when I initially pay for it, the biting the bullet is so hard Yeah, that I have softwares that we pay thousands of dollars for all the time. It's like people are scared to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Because a rich, when you take that step, it, it's a change. It's something different that we, we pay for this software now that like when we first download it, I'm like, uh, it was might as well have been fucking Chinese. Like we're reading it. I'm like, uh, but I'm not thinking about right now with 10 of us or whatever. I'm thinking about if the amount of work we have right now, if we have a hundred employees, does our process that we currently have work? The answer is absolutely not. But that's the thing you need to change with the times. But that's where you have to be proactive on it instead of being reactive. Because if I'm reactive and I say, hey, I'm not going to mess with this software until it just comes up to my eyeballs and accounts start canceling because we're dropping the ball everywhere, we're unorganized. When all these things start dropping, then I'm going to do something to fix it. You need to get ahead of the curve. You need to get ahead of it because it's actually a lot easier to figure out when you have the ability to figure out now with the people that all want to learn. And then it makes it to where I figure that all out right now between 10 to 20 employees. Guess what? When when we hire the 40th employee, they're going to see a process that that's all they ever know. They're not going to know anything different. Like in the car business, we had a, a CRM at the dealership that we ran everything off of, and there was nothing different. We didn't know anything different. That's how every uh, test drive happened. That's how every single thing. You had to go through a week of training before you even got to sell cars. But that's just how it worked. And it was just when you when you started, that's there was nobody knew any different. Yeah. You learned that software, you learned how to do it. <laughs> I think I think Logan is deaf. I think he's learning sign language. He says it's two hours. I see that everybody's going like this. Peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs> so we are going we are going to wrap it up. But my thought was halfway through that we are going to run this as two parts. So we'll have a part one and a part two. So I thought that about when we were hitting this last time, we cut it short. But we're going to run this podcast as two parts. So. uh Actually, we'll make it easier for next week with us coming back from Mexico also. So um, I, I can't even ask my ending question. Do I? If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> well, yeah, that, what a question. Uh, if you could start your cup business today, what would you do? No. Uh, so I'm... I want to go around to each one of you guys. That's where I was going. <laughs> the peanut gallery is getting real vocal right now. Yeah. They're getting real Red vocal. Red wine's getting vocal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drank a couple bottles out there. Now they think they got to say Probably need a uh, shot of whiskey before you ask these questions. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you see... Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I need that ball for it. What do you see? I'm going to start with Victor. I'm going to run right down the line. Uh, what do you see the next five years looking like for you? 
so like I said earlier, this year is going to be my last year in the States, so I'll obviously spend this year, and then the next four years will be back home. Uh, we got a family farm that my dad's been working on for quite a while now, so uh, he's built that up. He's about to finish. He's about to finish paying that off, so we won't have much debt. And basically, just expanding that and and streamlining that whole system. It's it's a bit all over the show at the moment because he's just trying to get farms paid off. So yeah, I'll just look at streamlining that. Hopefully, finding a wife somewhere in the middle there. Getting <laughs> to that age, <laughs> um, Uncle Vic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll basically just head back, stop. Start working with my father, streamlining that whole business, maybe expanding it a bit if if it allows. But yeah, that'll probably be the next five years for me. Oh yeah, I like it, Johnny. Well, as you know, I'm starting with my green card at the moment, but uh, as of now, uh, it's not my plan to stay over here. I think uh, I haven't been here long enough to make that decision. Never know, but. Uh, me and my cousin have a, a piece of ground we bought back home. So when I get back this year, end of this year, we're going to start working on that and put some livestock on that, cattle and so forth. But um, I don't know. I th- I feel like in these next two years, it's going to bring a decision to light if I'm going to stay here or go back home. But either way, I feel like the green card is going to be a deal if I decide to go back home and everything starts going real south you have something to fall back on but uh, as of now I'm focused on working making money and expanding myself bettering myself so. I like it that's it I like it a lot yeah. expansion worldwide literally yeah <laughs> yeah Philip ah uh, dang that's kind of a hard question uh, I would say it's like building any building. I'm still super young. I'm focusing on the foundation right now. Try to save most of my money and then work on relationships. Uh, I want to work on having a good re- relationship with my girlfriend. And also my dad has a job where he has to travel a lot. Hasn't really found a way to switch it up get closer to home I would like to move him closer to home or at least try to do that and uh, save up a good amount of money and then I mean a lot of people say it's stupid a lot of people have their opinions and stuff but I would like to get into the e-commerce drop shipping kind of deal out of that and I'm really interested in cars love cars either start flipping them Stay fucking clear. But you're going to fuck. You've been in the car dealership. It's my mere day. It's yeah. I don't know. Just kind of finding my idea and working on it. But for now, it's just relationships, building that foundation, and uh, saving up a good amount of money that when the idea hits, I can go all in, all out. I like it. Yeah, stay clear of the car stuff. Go with you. <laughs> <laughs> well... My head is still going forward and backwards, but I started investing in my dad's business three years ago. Um, bought 10% of his business and um, bought some cattle, um, row crop with him and everything. But I still um, try to think about this green card thing, but 
I don't know. My head just. I just want to make a fuckload of money. <laughs> get jacked, get rich. <laughs> well, I, I there, know. There's your e-com store. Get jacked, get rich, t-shirt line. Yeah. So, but th- I've started investing my dad's business, so I don't, I'm not sure if I need to go there, but that's why I'm still figuring out if I want to do this green card thing because I want to do real estate, buy houses and stuff, and... Like I don't want to do the same. I don't know what you're actually doing, but I don't. I don't want to do. I don't want to go to the house, and I just want to like have apartments and hire them out and stuff like that. And I believe that's why I want to do the green card because there's opportunities here more in South Africa, you know. And um, like I lo- I listen to a lot of post- podcasts of Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone, and he like motivates me a lot. So, yeah, that's what I want to do is real estate and do that shit. But I don't believe farming makes you rich at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen it with my dad. That's why at, when I was grade 10, my uh, my dad, like, before, before grade 10, like, from grade, like, 6 till 9, he did so fucking good. I thought I'm just going to stay there on the farm and just grinding with him because he's fucking getting after it, just making big bucks. And the fucking, he went through the ground and fucking see his ass through, I don't know how do you say it in English, but in the mirror, basically. You saw his ass with the mirror. Yeah, and I, and I realized, fuck me, this shit is not working, so. But then he stood up and make, and he's out of death and everything. He doesn't have death on his fucking hands, nothing. He's just making money now. So that's why I started investing there because he's doing good. And, um, yeah, that's, I don't know if I want to stay in, I, I probably want to stay in South Africa, but the situation with Tory and stuff, like it's quite. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we probably the phone yeah. of the Tory. <laughs> That's why I don't want to yeah. say too much. Get to the point over there. He's like, it only took two and a half hours. So I'm bringing her up. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say too much on this podcast because I don't know where I'm going. I'm still young, figuring out shit. But that's why, like, what motivates me is to get up at four. I want to get up earlier because I believe you, like, my English is not good, but if you read more books and you can... People listen to you more if you can talk about shit that makes sense and you know what you're talking about. And I want to start reading books. I don't like fucking reading books. I, that's, why, <laughs> that's why I'm here. I, I, I knew I, I, I almost failed school, so I fucking didn't want to go to college. <laughs> and I would, if me and him would have went to college, we would have drank way too much fucking alcohol and didn't. Like, yeah, that's why I decided I want to, get out of that clusterfuck because if I'm going to start staying in there and drinking beer and shit, I'd rather come here and work my ass off and make some little money and know where I'm going. Get jacked to get rich. (laughs) (laughs) So I know I start small and I know if I would have taken this, this sometimes, well, one time I worked 122 hours in one week. I almost died. (laughs) Like it was so rough. I almost died. I could just imagine if I took that time 
and I didn't work for anybody and just figuring out shit, sitting fucking 122 hours, you will fucking come with a brilliant idea and fucking just do shit, you know? <laughs> so I was thinking if this three years I didn't work, like I'm glad where I am. I don't complain. Like I know you have to start somewhere. I learned by Corey how to operate a business and stuff. But if I took that time and just sit for three years, what I've done now, I could have came with a gr brilliant idea and be fucking rich as fuck, but I guess... <laughs> <laughs> if you put 122 an hour <laughs> like, a week into yeah. yourself, you're going to fucking yeah. get some... Like, Most people won't even put an hour in a, a week to themselves. But yeah, I, I just want to go forward. That's... <laughs> I had to adjust the final question, but uh, I very much appreciate you guys coming on. Um, Thanks for having this, us. I think it's going to be our first two-parter podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't know I, if it's going to be that long. Story. I think it could have been like three or four, but yeah. uh, I don't think it, it, we could just went on as long as we wanted. If we started getting to those Lake Viking conversations. That's yeah. probably a good thing to cut it. After, if we take a right turn to Lake Viking, then it's just it's over <laughs> after that. Yeah. But um, once again, very much appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks for having me. I think that you guys, once again, I've been crazy intrigued with just packing everything up, going halfway around the world to say, hey, I'm going to work and I'm going to go work my ass off and go show what I'm made of. And I think you guys have a great work ethic. You guys have a great representation of who you guys are. Um, and just keep doing you. And I, I think you guys will all do phenomenal things. Thanks for inviting but, us. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, really but, appreciate it. I don't so, know if guys pay to do this shit, but I feel like they must pay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I really, pay, I really appreciate that we can do this for free. <laughs> but I'm gonna say that is the end to the M3 podcast. And normally I key someone, but Ricky doesn't have the stuff on the panels, so I'm gonna just say that's it. Thanks for listening to the M3 podcast. M3 podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Want to learn more? Check us out on Instagram at Moss Marketing Group, on Facebook at Moss Marketing 58, or on our website at mossmarketinggroup.com.